Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello, and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. We are joined by Eamon Falinski, who, in his own words, has, in the past 10 years, been immersed in technology, um, specifically sales and a bit of marketing and has been jumping in and out of sales off between kind of marketing and sales management roles. So I think it's going to be a super interesting interview. Eamon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Tom. Um, let's kick off with the first question. How did you initially get into sales operations the first time you did it? Oh, that's a good story, probably. I think it's it, like many people, I probably kind of fell into it. I don't think it was necessarily a path I thought of. Uh, it was uh, many years ago with, with a small tech company called NetMail. And I, I started my career uh, as a sales developer uh, and working into a sales role, um, but always kind of had a passion for the analytics and numbers behind what we were doing. I think that's just the way I think and the way I love to, to look at things. So I was always, you know, the one kind of building my own reports and, and getting my own analytics, my own information. Uh, and within a small company, you know, word gets around pretty fast that someone's doing this and someone can rely on, on this person to do this. So. Uh, kind of organically, uh, slowly but surely, you know, I was the person to go to to you know, build a report or get some more information. Uh, and at the time, this was many years ago, we were using a, a CRM called Sage Sales Logics, um, very archaic kind of system. I'm sorry for anyone that's still using that out there, but uh, we were going in a transition to the Salesforce at that time. And so when that we didn't really have a traditional sales operations person within the company it was kind of under it so i was kind of the one pointed at to lead that transition into um, the world of salesforce in our new crm so kind of got dropped into sales operations uh, organically because i was you know definitely just focusing on 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 numbers and analytics a lot and and kind of just grew into the role from there in that small company and that that led to a passion of, of being in that world for the next 10 years Got it. And I love what you say about when you were being an SDR, you were just the person who was like, probably, probably your sales manager was like, oh, Eamon's building the reports again. Um, and then word spreads and, and then you start kind of moving organically. It really makes sense. And I've seen that happen here. Um, cool. And, and so, so that first role was at MetMail. Yeah. Um, and then you transitioned from there to Hootsuite. 
Yeah, yeah, that's when I had an opportunity to um, go work for a growing company, Hootsuite, at the time and really scale their sales development department. So my whole time at NetMail, I wore many hats. I was in sales development, sales leadership, uh, you know, a company of like 50 people, you kind of do many different jobs and then grew into a traditional sales ops role eventually, and then had an opportunity to go back and, and run and manage a sales development department. But I think the theme throughout that whole thing was I came into that role with kind of a sales operations outlook to that role as well. And still at my time at Hootsuite in the three to four years I was running the sales development team was the de facto sales operations person, even though that wasn't necessarily my title for that, where again, was the person relied upon to, you know, dig into the numbers and understand a little bit more about systems. And definitely, um, I love sales technology and the tools we use and have a passion for that. So it was the one kind of leading the charge for our new technologies that we're using and, and the tools that we went out and prospected with. And so along that time, I was we didn't necessarily have a dedicated sales ops person again for our departments. And, and the sales ops team was just growing at Hootsuite. So it was very uh, leaned heavily upon to kind of build out that sales operations um, process and, and what we were doing within the sales development team. And then that led to an actual sales ops role after three or four years of being in a Hootsuite where we really needed a focus on our sales tools and technology because like many companies that were growing, we threw a lot of money at technology, got a lot of tools, <laughs> and some of them worked out really good. Some of them were laying dormant and there was this big hodgepodge of you know, sales technology that we were using and not using, and there needed to be someone to go in and draw that process more to the technology and start building out what we needed, what we didn't reduce our spend, obviously, because we were just spending all over the place and kind of clean up that that whole entire process. And so then I spent a lot of time doing that near the later years, half of my time at Hootsuite. Got it. And if we fast forward to today at Achievers, um, you're currently, are you, are you the most senior resource in sales operations? Um, not really. <laughs> I'd like to say, I, I, guess, I guess, in sales operations. So I guess what's different and, and big reason why I came to Achievers is we're building out a revenue operations department. Uh, and, and that's what I really loved and what really drew me to what was going on here. So uh, the person above me, uh, she's the director of revenue operations and is running, I guess, traditionally, I could even be maybe a chief operating officer. So we're really building out a, a larger than sales operations. So yeah, I head up sales operations. But then we're starting to, you know, bring in marketing, we're bringing in customer success, we're bringing in more IT things and, and really being the hub of revenue operations. Um, and, and I love that. Like we have a team of nine or 10 people now, but we're growing it out and probably to, to 15 people, let's say, in the future. And then just building out everything from sales operations to sales enablement, engagement and training, and then analytics and reporting and BI and, and everything in between. Got it. So... We have the head of revenue operations, or no, we have the chief revenue officer at the top, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'd have, uh, at the top, we'd have uh, reports up to sales now-ish, but yeah, eventually there will be more of a COO that would be in the realm of, of reporting right to the CEO on, on the leadership panel. Got it. And then you have a senior manager within marketing, success, and sales mm -hmm. um, that all report up into that person. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And then when you said you're going to a team of 15, was that the RevOps team or was that the SalesOps team? That would be the RevOps team. Um, I think overall, like there's there's some gaps that we have in, in all aspects of the game. I think it is a good framework right now, but now we just need to amplify that a little bit more because, you know, everyone on the team is kind of under constraints of, of a lot of work being done right now uh, without a lot of people. So I think we just need to amplify that a little bit more with the amount of uh, people power we have behind it. Got it. And then the 
how many, well, I guess, because you have success reps, you have marketing, the marketing team, and then you have the sales reps as well. But just if we forget about the others, how many sales reps are you responsible for? Uh, sales reps in our department, we have about 20 account executives. We have uh, about nine or so SDRs. So we have a two-to-one ratio of SDRs to account reps. And then our CS department is around 25 or so. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. That's good to get an understanding of. Um, moving on, the sales tech stack that you're kind of using. Yeah, something that, like I said, I'm definitely very passionate about and spend mm-hmm. probably way too much time after hours reading <laughs> the latest tech of what's out there. So yeah. um, we use at a base uh, Salesforce or CRM. Uh, and then from the sales side, we're using outreach for our sales automation. Um, we use LinkedIn Sales Navigator for prospecting. We use um, Discover Org for data supplementation with the with the sales team. We use Chorus, uh, something we just recently started using for call coaching recording, which love that that whole space, whether it's Chorus or Gong, and just the ability to, to review and, and manage that, that call structure, something I wish I had probably 10 years ago when I started. Um, we're using WebEx for uh, meetings and, and, and conference calls, using Tableau, um, for a lot of our, our dashboards and analytics, as long as well as you know Salesforce, uh, DocuSign for contracts. Um, we're actually using Lean Data for um, lead routing and, and and management of that lead path and, and cycle. And that's kind of one of those interesting tools that kind of bridges marketing and sales. It was a, a marketing led purpose, if you will, but then it's a sales use, use tool. So that was you know, definitely a very good example of why RevOps is important because there's these tools that kind of transverse both departments and, you know, you need to I think, have a central spot where they live and, and you can't just have one tool on one side and being used on the other side. So lead data is something very much like that. And even something like Drift, uh, which we're not using yet, but would be one of those tools as well. It's like used by sales, but usually purchased by marketing. Um, Using um, Litmos for LMS and, and training, uh, using Sixter recently just for um, you know those, those sales uh, signatures and, and getting information out there. Uh, and then in marketing, Marketo, Visible, ZoomInfo, PathFactory, G2 Crowd, um, and probably a couple other I'm, I'm forgetting. But um, you know, that's generally the marketing stack starts with Marketo and and, and things like ZoomInfo to uh, aggregate and. and um, enhance the data that we have in our system as well. Yeah, got it. Um, data quality, does that fit with your team? Yes, uh, and it's something that uh, we're actually looking into quite often, as, as many companies probably are, but I think the particular challenge I saw when I came in here is that you know Achievers has been around in, in, in a couple different iterations for about the last 13, 14 years. Um, so it's not very old, maybe if people are working for you know, more established companies, but in the tech world, to me, that was pretty old. So there was a lot of data and a lot of information that kind of has gone through many different processes. So um, it has been very important, especially when we're trying to look back and get an idea of, you know, conversion rates and consistency and forecasting right now, because, you know, it's almost looking at those those layers of, of growth within a rock and, and, and over time, of you see the lines. It's hard to look back and compare different years in different segments of the business because they weren't all the same, right? So that's something we're trying to do right now, compare that data and see where the commonalities are and try to look in that data consistency, like how do we actually get better at forecasting? How do we get something consistent going forward as well as how do we prove in the past that that will work with what's working today? So uh, the data overall is something that we're, we're, it's a 
pretty big project to centralize the data, is something like Tableau, get into a uh, data repository, data lake, and, and get it in one spot as well, because it kind of lives in many different iterations. Uh, and then also try to get that consistency over time. Got it. Um, and then now shifting your to your relationship with the sales reps, um, do you have any, I, I assume you've onboarded quite a few SDRs in your time. Mm -hmm. uh, what have been your key learnings from doing that? Oh, that everyone's different, I guess. That would be the first thing. I think uh, uh, having a cookie-cutter approach to onboarding or teaching anyone a process, I think, is is not a great idea. I think you, you need definitely a stable platform. You need a good repeatable process is very important, but you need to know who you're teaching. Um, you know, difference between SDRs and AEs and CS and, and the level of experience and just how someone wants, I think the first thing I always ask is, is how do you like to learn? You know, how, how do you like to absorb information? Because everyone is different. Some people love to just work on a whiteboard and, and see some sort of visual and work through the process. Other people just like to discuss things. Other, you know, some people want to just sit down with the information, absorb it a little bit more, and then go back to it later on. So I think that's a big part of it, just understanding who you're teaching and, and who you're instructing. Um, and then make it very clear. Sorry, to quickly jump yeah. in there. How do you, do you like run a test at the start of the process to understand the type of person or do you just observe them and then tweak as you learn more about them? I think I, 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 think I sit down, uh, if it's, reasonable with with individuals uh, or groups and just understand who they are sometimes just um i guess through my experience and working with people knowing a little bit of who they are like the difference between an entry level person and um you know uh, an ae that's been in this market for 15 years and it's kind of that old dog new trick mentality um but if i can i think asking them quickly before we even start just at the beginning of the session like how do you like to learn how what's the best way for you to absorb this information got it um, and then, sorry, I, I cut you off. I think you're about to share something else. Yeah, I, I was saying, um, you know, I, I think it's important as well just to, to have that, um, that scalability in what you're doing and making sure that they understand what it means to them. I think that's the other crucial point, like, especially when you're dealing with more established sales reps or people that have been in the business for a while. Uh, I think they're going to um, pay less attention or, or not adapt to something if they don't understand what it means to them individually and how they're going to benefit from it. So I think that's a huge piece of it of, of, you know, if you're teaching a new process or how to deal with, you know, opportunities or something in the system or launching a new sales tool. Uh, it's great to say it's going to benefit the company. It's going to do all these amazing things or too often. I think I've even got caught up in saying, well, you know, sales ops will benefit from this because we'll have all this data and we'll know how to do things better. But in the end, you know, people care what what it's going to mean to them. So, what does it mean to that individual? How will that AE benefit from this tool? How will they up their numbers? How will they be more efficient? And how will it make their lives better? Cool. So, you're kind of answering one of my next questions, which is about buy-in. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you're basically saying that in order to get someone to do something, you really have to try and communicate clearly why they should be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's it's so important just to um, to make sure they they know. Oh, they have to also know, you know, what the, the result is to the business and, and why we're doing this in, in general, because that's important as well. But I think to really get someone to adopt to it day to day, you know, something like Chorus, uh, we just rolled that out and telling the team, like, it's going to be great. We're going to be able to, to work with you, get all this analytics and, and coaching and information about our calls and be able to review calls. But what does that mean to them? We think we, we kind of doubled back after saying that because we had some blank stares, but telling the team that, 
you'll be able to review your own calls. Like you'll need to take less notes and spend more time active listening with your customer rather than, you know, writing things feverishly down on your call and also be able to go back to your calls and better yourself and, and review your calls and, and see the weak points in your call and, and have better communications with your customers. And then ultimately hopefully having, you know, better, stronger deals uh, that you're closing. So when we kind of add that aspect rather than the benefit to the company or the leadership, I think they, they adopted it a little bit more. Got it. Um, what are you currently doing to make your reps more productive? Um, I think what we're trying to do is automate the, I guess, the the points in the process that are, are kind of monotonous and, and are just clicks and filling in fields and, and filling information that doesn't need to be done as much as possible with an air of knowing that there needs to be human input in some points. So focusing on like our CRM, um, you know, a, a simple exercise of counting the number of clicks it takes to go through a process and trying to understand, okay, to create an opportunity or, or fill out this form or do this thing we're asking you to do, how many clicks does it have and how many steps does it have? How do we reduce that? Because um, too often I think we're designing process. It seems like a great process. You're like, well, this gets all the information we want, but we don't really think about the user experience as much. Right. So, um, really trying to focus on that. And, and we know with, you know, we're rolling out, um, you know, lightning for Salesforce uh, as, as we speak uh, this week and, and going into the future and doing things like that, knowing that we, in order to get adoption of this new landscape of the CRM that seems so foreign to a lot of people, we know we need to make those processes that much easier uh, so that it flows that much easier. So that's something in terms of efficiency that we're really focused on. Like, how do we take out that monotony of just those simple small tasks and, and just make them easier uh, and then things like using outreach and setting up you know proper sequences and cadences so that um, you know the idea of their outbound prospecting can be set up as a framework and and they can spend more time customizing their messaging thinking about their research and who they're writing to and less about you know the follow-up tasks and, and those type of things and remembering to reconnect with someone and just have that be more automatic. Got it. Um, and I totally agree about the point you make that the, the, the analytical operations person builds a process and they're like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm getting everything. But then you put a salesperson through it and they get really angry because he's wasting their time. So yeah, yeah. I think that's super important. Um, sales forecasting, is that, are you responsible or does that sit with finance? Um, not responsible. It sits within in revenue operations in general. I think it's something we all kind of have a piece in. I think I'm involved more on, on the the extraction of data and serving that data up to um, our leader of the, the revenue ops department. And then um, she would sit on the uh, executive table and, and talk about what the forecasting is. Um, but definitely involved in gathering that information and those numbers. Got it. So you take the, the data from within Salesforce, set, pass it to this person who will then review it with the, the C-level. Um, do you not review the forecast with the individual sales managers or sales reps or that someone else? Um, no, I don't personally. Uh, we do do that within the department, though. Um, you know, we're reviewing it on weekly cadences and, and weekly calls, and then uh, also serving up that data to the sales leadership. Then they're obviously sitting through you know one on ones and, and working through that data, that forecast. Um, but it sits on on a weekly call with VP of sales and sales managers, revenue ops director, and and other sales leadership, and they work through those forecasts. Deals. Got it. Makes sense. So your role is really the custodian of the data, ensuring that it's right in Salesforce and then it gets to the, the people to make the decisions. Correct, yeah. A big part of what we're doing right now, forecasting, it's not just opportunities, we're really looking into like that uh, lead waterfall, if you will, or, or that transition of, of 
you know, what's coming in, what's converting and, and what's the output of that and doing a deep analysis of that because it's, it's a place where we realized we, we could improve a lot. And, and like I said, looking at that historic data, it, it's hard to compare against the past because there has been so many changes in, in our business over the years. So we're spending a lot of time analyzing that and that's part of that forecast as well. Like not just the end pipeline, but what's coming into the pipeline throughout the wholesale cycle from MQL to SQL to uh, opportunity and, and the beyond. Got it. Yeah. So not just looking at what's going to close this quarter, going back in the funnel to look at all the like MQLs, SQL. Awesome. Exactly. Uh, KPIs in your, uh, I think over 10 years experience kind of in sales management and slash operations. Um, mm-hmm. What's been the most uh, insightful metric that you've, that you like to track? Whew. That's a good question. Uh, Cause like I said, I, I love data and I love metrics. Um, I think if I were to think about definitely the different groups, it matters like between SDR and AE and and CS, they're definitely very different. Um, I've always been um, a huge fan in the SDR world of of looking at conversion rates across the spectrum, but not focusing on the end result and working your way back. I think that's important. Uh, I don't like to look at activity in the beginning and just drive activity saying you need to make phone uh, phone calls and emails and, and that's all that matters i think it's thinking about okay what is the end goal for an sdr let's say it's an opportunity or a sales qualified lead and identifying that number and then trying to break down what those conversions are at each step before that and then trying to find out where the the gap is i think when i'm looking at kpis for sdrs if you have that full spectrum of that process uh you can look through each step and see where it's breaking, um, whether it's you know, not enough volume of activity or not enough qualification of leads and not speaking to the right people or just we're not converting those people when we do speak to them to, to qualified leads. So um, and it's kind of a non-answer, but I'd say look at the full spectrum of that process because I think you need to deep dive into uh, a specific KPI to see where it's broken. You can't just look at one. Got it. Yeah, so it's actually a set of metrics that you yeah. think is insightful. Um, and then finally, who has taught you the most about sales operations? I don't know if there's one individual. I was actually trying to think of this before the call. Uh, I think it's been, uh, there's way too many people, I think, uh, across my years of, of uh, sales operations I've dealt with. I think uh, to nail maybe more of a persona, I think that the idea that I started in a sales role and then had an opportunity to mix and live in these roles and have experience. I felt like that was the, the best learning experience for me that I had firsthand knowledge of these roles um, and, and whether you've actually done them for your actual title and your role or you sat down for a couple of days and, and, and sat beside someone and shadowed them. I think it's, it's wildly important within sales operations to get firsthand knowledge of what people are doing that you're interacting with. And I think that's been the biggest learning point or where I've gained the most knowledge from being in these roles or sitting down with people and really understanding firsthand knowledge of how they do their job and what it means to them. And then trying to take that back and, and work that into my day-to-day sales operations role. Got it. Yeah. And we used to ask the question on this podcast about is sales experience necessary for sales ops? And mm-hmm. the, 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 the answer wasn't unanimously yes, but it is, it was unanimously that it's helpful. Because you, they, you have more respect from them. You obviously understand what they're going through. So I totally agree. Um, Amen. That was awesome. I have a few things that I particularly enjoyed. Um, having a like understanding that people learn in different ways and are different as they come through the onboarding to to basically make your onboarding process more effective for different mm-hmm. individuals. Um, 
I like the for the last two questions actually when we talked about forecasting and your favorite set of metrics both of the answers were kind of looking back in the funnel and looking at especially for the SDR like what the process is from just data to MQL to SQL and then trying to tweak the different steps and then I uh, oh yeah yeah the, the, the understanding of the difference between a sales person's view of a process and a sales ops person's view of a process and how you actually need to come somewhere in the middle so they're happy and you're getting the data um, awesome thank you so much for your time well, thank you Tom this has been fantastic Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.